Hey everyone, just a couple of quick details here that I'm adding in after the fact. First of all, I am a current shareholder in Arizona Silver. Uh, also, just a couple of details about the company itself. Arizona, the Philadelphia property, Arizona is 100% uh, owners of, and Arizona is carrying currently carrying no debt and no outstanding leases. So they're debt-free and 100% owners of their property that they intend to sell prior to production. Thanks. Here we are, everybody, back with another episode of Junior Resource Investing, the podcast dedicated to deepening your understanding of the junior resource sector and some important and exciting plays within it. As always, I'm your host, Matthew. Uh, just as a disclaimer here, please remember that this is not financial advice. Neither myself nor my guests are financial advisors or your financial advisors. This podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. For full disclaimer, please check the YouTube notes below. With that out of the way, though, I'm pleased to present our latest guest, Mike Stark, who is the CEO of Arizona Silver. Arizona Silver is a gold explorer, primary gold explorer, focused mainly on its highly prospective Philadelphia project in northern Arizona. It trades on the TSXV in Canada under the ticker AZS and on the OTC in the States under the ticker AZASF. And just as an aside, Mike is probably one of the most approachable and friendly CEOs you'll come across in this sector. So uh, anyway, Mike, it's good to talk to you again, and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Matthew. Thank you for the nice introduction. Thank you. Why don't you just start us off? This is kind of a question I always start off with. Just a, you know, a 30-second elevator pitch on Arizona Silver. What is it? Why is your story particularly compelling? Why should investors care about it? Okay, well, that's a big loaded question. Um, I'll give you the best answer I can. This company was formed with one of the most respected geologists I've ever had the opportunity to meet and work with, especially now, and that fellow is Greg Hahn. Greg came to me in late 2016 with an idea that he had worked for three other companies in the past and made absolutely fortunes for these guys. I'm talking multi-million dollars in building, operating, and then selling these projects to either a higher level, mid-tier, or perhaps a, a major. Greg wanted to do this himself once, but wasn't willing to run as a CEO again. Greg and I had some past experience and asked if I would be willing to take on that position. And at the time, I, I was employed already full time. And I saw the opportunity with him and I released my position as a full-time position and I joined Arizona Silver. We immediately went out and seeked a property. That was our first IPO. That was established in 2016, November. And Greg turned to me and said, okay, it's your job now to go raise some capital. <laughs> uh, much to my surprise, not something that I did a lot of, but I, I seeked out some private investors. Matter of fact, I took eight investors to the tune of $875,000 and brought it forward. And I used the word carefully. It wasn't take. They joined us. And as a result, we became Arizona Silver in a private, almost private company with 12 investors. And we increased that to 18 and we went and went live. We started working on our Ramsey project and the market being what it is, it moves and changes and everybody was looking for gold. So very fortunately, gold, uh, Greg had a repertoire of you know, very seldom found properties and very highly prospective properties. And one of them was the Philadelphia property in which he's been watching since 1982. He tried to get it with the company he was working for and unfortunately, unfortunately, they came in second place. Long story short, he stayed in touch, which shows me great patience. He stayed in touch with the owner. Finally, in 2019, he sent another Hail Mary, sort of, I, I call it Hail Mary email over. And this gentleman actually responded and said, yes, I have not been able to do what I want to do with this property. I would be welcoming a joint venture or some sort of terms. Greg formulated the agreement. It was signed in a period of about three weeks. We immediately commenced action on our feature property, and that is the Philadelphia property. Since 2019, we've got a really nice timeline to show you the advancement this company's made on a very short period of time. But each and every step, 
builds a better property, better prospect. And I think with the team that we have, we've done a great job on that. We've done it on very small amounts of money, keeping the share structure tight. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But the most important thing I have is that we, as a unit, have 28% of the company and management has bought every single share of that. Hmm. We have since then acquired two other properties. Uh, one of them is called the Silverton property, which is in Nevada, a very highly prospective gold property neighboring our neighbor, which is Newmont, uh, and that is the Long Canyon mine, uh, a very big producer. We have similar geology and we have belief that this could be another elephant as well. We will not be venturing forward on that anytime soon again, uh, because of simply our return that we're getting for investors on our Philadelphia property. We have another property called Sycamore Canyon. We're waiting on permits on that and have been for an extensive period of time simply because it rests on forestry property, a section of it, and that takes longer than anybody's willing to wait. But we're patient and we'll show investors that that's worth being patient for in time. Thank you. So, yeah, you, you as you kind of mentioned, yourself and Greg Hahn, it's, it's kind of a, a, a two-man game, right? That you, Both of you, as you mentioned, work, have worked together in the past and, and, and are working closely together as a, as a leadership team for this project. Do you mind us running through, you know, your and, and Greg's history in terms of skills and experiences and maybe successes that you've had in the market? Well, I may as well get Greg out of the way because I'll look like a two-minute conversation compared to him. <laughs> Greg is 43 years in the business, built, operated three mines in his lifetime. I may have mentioned that again, but I want to emphasize that. And by doing so, the companies that he's working for eventually sold and a phenomenal return has come back. I mean, I do, I can quote this one particular one, but it was over $170 million profitable to the company. He has got extensive knowledge in this field. He has got an incredible reputation. He has been the president of the Northwest Mining Association a couple of times over. Um, nobody gets to that position without having the ability to not only to speak in front of people, but have a really good understanding of geology. Greg simply is one of the most trusted, honest guys I've ever met. And I hate to say it, but it's difficult in this business sometimes to find somebody like that but there would be no way I'd be putting the money and the capital that I have into this company if it wasn't trusted like that. And what about yourself? Do you mind just kind of going through your own your own kind of career history? Yeah, um, I, I started this as a bit of an entrepreneur in my early 20s, and I guess it was in mid, I was 32, 33, I had an opportunity to get myself involved in a bit of an IR position, so I took advantage of that. And then later on in life, I actually um, had the chance to work alongside a very, very prosperous company called Exeter, and I had another company called Extory, um, both under the same management, by the way, but both were bought out eventually. One of them was bought out by Barrick, and the other one was bought out by Yama Gold. Both those transactions, I'm not taking any of the responsibility, I just filled a very small role in it, but both those companies did extremely well. There was some very large money made. Uh, I was an investor at 78 cents, um, and it went over $14 eventually. Um, but again, I didn't have that same position. I, I moved some of my position, unlike what I am today with Arizona holding every share. but. That was a good learning experience. I, I had the fortunate ability to travel twice to South America with that team. I got to see some people that had enormous amounts of money, unlike myself, and still the same way against some of these guys. But it was nice to rub shoulders with some of these guys and learn what got them to where they are and the vision that they had. Um, I was very fortunate, and it always kept me at a different level than them. I knew that. They were handling millions of dollars as fund managers, but they always gravitated towards me because I was I, I had lack of knowledge in a lot of areas and I'm very truthful about that. But my honesty took over and I appreciated that. They just, you know, they bounced things off me and they asked me how I felt about things because they wanted to hear what another version of what might be discussed or might be thought was coming forward. And that's what's kind of brought me to where I am today. This is a challenging position. This is not necessarily rewarding on a day-to-day. -day. You get 
you know, the happy customer, you get the disappointed customer. But at least I can go to sleep every night, and I'm very happy about that. That nobody has been left out to dry. Nobody's been, nobody's been dishonest with anybody here. It's not, it's not easy. It's a, it's a risk. I mean, Mother Nature can throw you a curveball at any time. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, that is not the case in what we're experiencing now, and and I don't believe that there will be, based on the studies, based on the uh, the work that we've done, on the future programs coming ahead. I think are going to be very prosperous. Yes, thank you. So you have me asking here a quick sidetrack question. You know, you always, if, you know, I'm assuming if you're Canadian, you at least follow the NHL to some degree. And there's a common aphorism there that, you know, if you, if you want to win the cup, you need to have players on your team who have been there before, right? And know what it takes to win the cup. And so if you'll allow me to use that as an analogy, your time at Exeter, you, you know, you, you saw what it took to find success uh, in this sector and, and, and you know, and, and quite remarkable success. Well, I guess what lessons do you think you brought with you from that? Or, you know, what, what, how, what do you try to mirror or accomplish now that you are in charge of a company that maybe you say you, you've learned from Exeter? Okay, thank you. Um, I guess one of the biggest things I learned is to stay the course. If you've designated a plan and that plan is executed and mindful in every way, stay the course. Don't ever deviate and say, we're going to do this now, we're going to do that. That doesn't instill confidence. These decisions are not only made by myself, but they're made as a team. This team, and I'll speak on that lightly, Greg and, of course, Yale Simpson and Gene Spearing, those three individual geologists have found more than 30 million ounces of gold in their time. That is well beyond most, of, most anybody that I've ever known. But they do it in such a manner that it's slow, it's methodical, and it's patient. It, it doesn't go in the spur of the moment. You don't make a rash decision. We're planned out for a year from now already on drill programs. That's good management, making good decisions going forward. Excellent. So I guess what, you know, that was you, you foreshadowed or you anticipated my next line of questions. I was going to ask you about Yale and for Gene. Do you mind just kind of going through those guys and what they bring to the team for you? Yeah, um, Yale signed on early this year, and I think it was a little bit of respect for what maybe I had done for him years ago. But he also, before he put his name on the play on the paper, he went down to the site. He said, "I just I like everything that Greg's doing, but I I just want to see the property." So we took him down in late November. We walked him the entire length of it, spent three days there, going over the drill core. Greg was a, a very good spokesman about everything that he saw. Now remember, we're talking two geologists that left me in the dirt a long time ago, <laughs> but they were talking about facets of the, of the material. And at the end of it, Yale just looked at Greg and he goes, all you guys need to do is drill this. It's here. I can see it. I can see it in the way you're describing things. I can see it in the textures. And Yale being like a big, big resource guy, um, kind of caught Greg off. You know, he said, you know, you see it the same as model and he goes absolutely it's here you guys just have to drill this so what a self-gratifying point that made to greg the model that he's been working with since 2019 is not only believable it's understood by some you know some of his peers as well and i'll take that a step further um, we had another visit thanks to greg and his connections this fellow's name is stuart simmons Stuart Simmons is probably one of the best renowned epithermal high-grade vein systems geologist in the world today. He's, he's generally picked up by the likes of the Barracks and the Newmonts and Oyama, First Majestic. They turn to him for, for answers on their questions. Well, Stuart came to our property and again spent a couple of days with Greg on it, going over everything, the core, the, the geology that's coming out of the ground at various depths, and his conclusion was really simple. He said, you're onto something very big here, but you're not deep enough. And Greg's like, I know. So we have to do this and have to, and that is what's being discussed right now. And it's, it's actually come forward. His belief is that we're about 300 feet short of the big pay zone that he believes down there. And we do too, but we have to drill it before we can talk that kind of confidence. So our last hole went down to 827 feet, and that's hole 91. That depth, the last 15 feet, 
doubled, sorry, let me bring that back, tripled in gold values and it 10 times in silver values. It went from 2-3 grams to 22 grams in silver, went from just over a gram to 3 grams in gold. That is what really keyed up on Stewart. He said, you are just coming into it at that level. He thinks it's going to be deeper by as much as 300 feet. If that's the case, we hope that that mineralization gets stronger and stronger. Case in point, 10 miles away in the um, Oatman district, it took them a while to get down to the sweet spot, but when they did, they had 26 feet of one ounce material. Now, I'm not promising that, but the model that we're using is showing us good examples, good reason to believe that the geology is much the same. And 10 miles when geology starts coming into the game, it's like you and I throwing a rock across the street, maybe not even that far, it's close. So I'm really excited about the next campaign and core drilling that we do. Going down to those depths in core is reachable, and we have the ability to do it. The pads are being um, BLM permitted right now, and we have 300 meters of proven existing vein at the surface material that we sampled, 95 samples. 95 for 95 came back in gold values between 1 and 10 grams. That's a result of good geology. That's a result of good people giving good direction Mark, our field geologist, just eats this up. I mean, Mark is a young guy that's looking to have accreditation behind his name as a geologist as well. And he believes, he really believes that we have something big here. And this is going to be very flattering on his resume. Yeah, you know, that's something that uh, when you look at the geology of this, and this is something that maybe I'll put a pin on this and we can come back to it in more depth later. But, you know, you, you have hole after hole of economic grade, right? You haven't had that grand slam, dis well, you have discovery holes, you have economic grade, stock work, mineralized vein work, uh, you're, you're, you're pursuing that boiling zone, right? Yes. Uh, that's what I just, I, I find that the, I mean, as you said, and we've talked about this previously, that your geological thesis to me is valid, right? And that's so huge when you're looking at a, a, a pre-PEA explorer, right? Having a valid geological thesis is a game changer, and that's what you look for, and that's what you invest in, right? But if you, right. if if I may, though, just to we'll finish off just some some kind of more more stock questions here. Just do you mind just running through here? Um, just and this is again one of these things that I like about Arizona silver is that your your share structure is is quite tight, right? Options wards, not a lot of overhang. Can you just walk us through this briefly so that we can get it done at the start here? Yeah, I'd be glad to. It's 64 million shares out. I'm just bringing the slide over here so I can make sure that my numbers are accurate. But 64 million shares out in which 28% is held by management. That is our original five directors. From there, we are about 42, and that number is likely to go up on the next evaluation. 42% at this point guaranteed is held by family and friends. That's our close associate that I've known for a period of years, my cousins, my relatives, same thing with respect to Greg and their family and friends. So that's a very high number, but that is a lot of confidence in a team as far as I'm concerned. And very fortunately, uh, late last, sorry, early last year, I drew the attention of an investor from an institutional side in Germany. He originally put in 4%, and that was a 4% on a capital raise. He has now upped his game to 9%, and he has told me that he will maintain that position going forward because he really likes what we're doing. He likes how our expenditures are being, and he likes the fact that we have capital in the game as much as we do as well. Mm -hmm. That leaves a very small 20% in the flow on a retail level. That's one of our problems. I mean, I, I, I admit it. It's you know, There's a lot of tr stock that doesn't trade, but that to me is what I want to be involved in I'd rather have somebody not sell stock as opposed to people selling stock. And if you want to create liquidity, buy it. Then you've got something to sell. And that's the message that we'll be sending. And it won't take long and we double or triple in price from here because there's not a lot of stock for sale. And I like that. It won't be coming from management, that's for sure. And very unlikely, well, I know it's not coming for the institution side because he believes in the project and sees a really good return coming. And and you you hit the nail on the head, right? That low liquidity, low retail investment, uh, sticky hands that you have your 
that you have your shares in. That just means that when that big new headline hits the news for Arizona Silver, if and when that happens, it's going to be like an elephant trying to fit through a pinhead, right? That that, that yeah. the amount of pressure on the on the stock will will make it, yeah, appreciate greatly. Do you mind just be, just because we have the slide deck up? Could you try to find the slide just so we can get a visual of of your of your uh, share of your floor? Certainly, glad to. As you can see, the current fully outstanding shares are sixty four million four hundred and sixty three thousand two twenty five. Outstanding warrants. Six million two hundred and seventy-five thousand seven hundred and ninety-six outstanding options. That's obviously management. Uh, these have to be paid for just to make sure people understand that they are set at various levels. Um, I think the cheapest one that's available to the to the company right now is around seventeen cents, right up to I believe the last ones were thirty-five cents. These have to be paid for in order to obtain um, the warrants. Though interesting enough. I have acceleration clauses on the two outstanding warrants that are left. Some of these were exercised this year uh, at a tune of $0.35 cents each for additional capital coming into the company of $680,000. If, and I use the word carefully, but I believe they will, if all these were to be exercised, it would represent about $3.4 million in capital without dilution to the company. That is my major goal moving forward that we get the share price up to exercise these, continue to drill without dilution. So by doing that, capital will be needed, I know that, but at this point, if we can do this, execute on our plan, it will be less dilution to the shareholders, which in turn, as a rule, turns into a bigger share price because of, again, the tightness of the structure, and I'm proud of this. This has been a very small movements forward for a couple of years, but I'll give you an example. Last year, in March, April, uh, our investors had a return of over 300%, and you'll see that not one single share was sold by management. Um, 60 cents is not a, a selling price to me. I mean, I, I, I won't even go into where I think we could go because that would be very forwarding. But I do believe that this company has got a lot of leg and a lot of opportunity to be sold to a mid-tier or perhaps a major for sure with what I believe we have. And do you mind just running through, if you can, off the top of your head, strike price expiry dates for the warrants? Oh, boy. That's, yeah, I'm going off the top of my head. So this is, yeah. uh, I know the strike price on the majority of them are $0.35, cents, and I think the other batch, and I apologize not having this, but I wasn't preempted on the question. But um, I can definitely give you those answers, but I just don't have them on there right now. I know the $0.35 cent ones were part of the 680000 that came in this year. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe the next ones are $0.42. Cents. Uh, but please don't quote me on that one, honestly, Matthew. I'd rather be honest than, and, make a, and not make a mistake. No, perfect. No, that's, that's fine. Just ballpark figures so we know what we're dealing with, right? Yeah. Um, if I may, and this is kind of another one of those potentially kind of personal questions but I mean, it's it's all available on cedar or seti if, if people know where to look right can you just tell me yeah. what are what are you and other insiders in for how much of your money how much skin do you have in the game well uh how about catching me by surprise when that question was asked by an analyst last week uh personally i have over six hundred and one thousand dollars canadian into this company right now that does include my, my two sons' positions as well. Um, my wife has a separate position all under her own, which I'm sorry to say, I don't know how much she's got. <laughs> um, Greg Hahn, my VP of Exploration, obviously has over 430,000 US into the company now. US dollar right now means that it's about 800,000 Canadian, by the way. No, um, <laughs> a significant amount of an investment. And um, as far as uh, David Vincent, uh, one of the directors that was on the board, he has 1.1 million shares. Brady Stiles, one of my other directors, as you can see here, has over 17% in the company. Uh, don't quote me on this one, but it translates into a lot of money U.S. Uh, Brady is a U.S. citizen, and he purchased $630,000 U.S. on his first tranche with the company, and he has improved that position since then. His current holdings, I believe, are around 17%. And that is verifiable on CDAR, as you mentioned. Uh, and, and I'm not aware, uh, just for transparency, I'm not aware of 
Yale Simpson's position. Um, out of respect, that's not my business. And same with Brady. Brady offered me that that information, and Greg offered me his information. Um, Gene has yet to offer me that information, but I know that these gentlemen do have a position in the company for sure. Perfect. Obviously, you know, as a retail investor, have, having management allied and aligned with my interests in a, such a direct way as, as having a heavy, heavy sh uh, collection of shares is one of those things you look for, right, when, you, when you're judging and, and picking out potential companies to invest in. So, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a big tell, right? There are companies out there that I like or think they have a valid thesis, but if management has a 2% hold, uh, you know, risk of a lifestyle company, risk of, of management finding a way to profit that does not mean profit for me, right? So, no, always good to see that. Moving on you here, know, do you, you mind just... earlier, Matt, that, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I think this no, is a very course. important point. Um, one of our larger investors met with me for the very first time, and... I threw out the line, well, you know, where would you like to meet? And I keep it open, and, and he said to me, well, how, how would we just do a coffee? I said, okay, that sounds like uh, maybe lunch or something. He said, no, let's just do a coffee. We took about 15 minutes, and it was a Tim Hortons coffee. I'll give that plug. And <laughs> after the 15 minutes, this gentleman turned to me and said, okay, I like your story. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to conclude? I said, well, I just want you to be aware I don't spend money unless it's necessary, and I really don't want to spend money on taking somebody out for lunch or dinner and, and have it just, you know, I don't care what these guys do, and I know that some of them do, but why spend money on wine and dinner unless you know the customers you've been interested in your company? He turned around, and his Bob is his name, he turned around to me and said, Mike, you just said the golden rule for me. If you were going to take me out and take me out for a steak dinner and buy me a nice bottle of wine and you don't really know me, I wouldn't be interested in it, but he said, you've hit all the boxes. Your, your company has got, your investment is in the company. You spend money wisely. You've got four beautiful properties, one that is excelling right now in, in gold results. And you guys have stayed true to what you said you were doing. I've been watching you for a year. I was not aware of that. And when he told me that, I was so happy because everything that I said was, letter perfect to what, and I have no reason to lie, the company sells itself. But what was nice about that, he took a position of 350,000 shares over a period of time and showed me his position. He's increased that since then, but it was all because we had a coffee. I really like that and I've stayed that. I don't want to sound cheap, but I guess I am. You know what? Why wouldn't I be? This isn't my money to spend. That money's supposed to go in the ground, and it does. We're not a lifestyle. I like cheap executives. No, that's a, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so on that note, I guess cash on hand. Where are you folks at right now? Uh, that's a great question. I'm gonna have to refer. The last quarter was, I think, it, we had a little over 680, 690, and there was a, a little bit of infusion from uh, the warrants being exercised. Uh, again, sorry for catching me off guard, but I. I I wouldn't want to quote something that I'm not comfortable with and being honest with. So use those last figures as where we stand right now. Okay, perfect. So now we're getting more into the meat of things here, right? Uh, jurisdiction. I'm sometimes jurisdictionally agnostic for the with the right company and the right leadership. I'm willing to go a lot of different places, but obviously more comfortable in Tier 1 jurisdictions. And I think that this is obviously a big advantage for Arizona Silver Basin, where you are in Arizona. Could you just run through, I guess, big picture, Arizona as a jurisdiction for mining explorers, and then maybe more on the on the micro scale, you know, where you are, you know, in terms of neighboring mines operating in the area and such too. I'll be glad to. Um, this this will probably help, Matt, if I can put this and transpose it here. Yep, perfect. There's our four properties, um, and I love this about Greg. This is a risky business. Why would you take more risk by going into an area or, or a geological area where there's political risk as well? Mm -hmm. So, number one jurisdiction in the world today is Nevada. That is where our Silverton property is located. Number two jurisdiction in the world today is Arizona. Our three other properties reside in Arizona. Sorry, Arizona, excuse me. As a result of that, we have not had issues. We have not had any overrun of government. We have not had um, claim staking issues. It, it's been very, very 
very good jurisdictions with proven, um, especially in the Philadelphia here, we have 10 miles, I'll just slide to this slide, 10 miles away is two operating gold mines, or sorry, the past producing one and the other one is operating. Then we've got the Moss Mine, which is only six miles away from us. That's an incredibly hot regional area when you have that many mines that close and good production levels too. A little over uh, 750,000 ounces came out of the Gold Road. One and a half million ounces came out of the Oatman Mine. The Moss Mine, I'm not exactly sure exactly how much has come out of there yet but they are in production. Um, again, jurisdiction, jurisdiction, or if they, in real estate they call it location, location, location. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I absolutely agree. Uh, yeah, like you say, I think that Greg said it well, right? Why, why invite unnecessary risk, right? Mm -hmm. So so I guess maybe we'll, we'll transition to this then. So you, permitting and patented versus unpatented claims. So. Maybe if I'll, maybe while I'm talking, Mike, if you don't mind trying to find a, a, a actual um, map of your actual claim package. But so it, what you have, and just I'll, I'll verbalize it here, is that you have kind of a, a long linear strip of permitted land claims that you've been working on exploring for the last year or two, correct? Um, and so you've had lots of success, right? Like it's this, this stock work system, this vein system, um, kind of some pleasant surprises there. But really, you know, as you have very nicely there, right, your, your bulk tonnage realite flow dome uh, is located on BLM unpatented land claims. And so I guess, you know, the, the, the million-dollar question then is, is permitting, right? So right. You, you, have, you have to go to the government, go to Arizona, and get some permitting done. Um, could you just kind of talk us through where you are in that process, what, what, what the process is like, maybe timelines or expectations that, again, knowing this is a forward-looking statement and things always are very fluid in this sector. Can, yeah, can you just kind of just explore this topic of permitting with me here? I will be glad to. And I feel very fortunate to represent Arizona, especially with the patented claims that we have. Patented claims do not require um, all the paperwork that's necessary on a BLM property. And therefore, because it's 100% owned, you have turnarounds as maybe two to three weeks. Uh, and that has been our large, longest period of wait, by the way, so far is three weeks. On BLM, that has changed quite a bit. Uh, with new government, it's changed dramatically. Now, it's not impossible because, of course, we're still, some of us are moving forward very nicely, but it's more challenging. Um, we are in the process of actually permitting two megapads um, to the north of the patented claims right now in order to reach into this gap area that we've referenced a few times. It's 300 meters in, in length, and we believe that's where the sweet spot is that we were looking or we are looking for. But in reference to time, turnaround for the patented properties, properties, there's three of them, is probably two to three weeks. On the BLM, we are in week, sorry, month five right now, and I suspect this is a suspect. We will have it either late this year or early 2023 for those two megapads, and that will be something that we can venture into that gap area. But much to the delight of our shareholders, we have about a year's worth of drilling on patented property before we even need to move on from there. So we have a lot that we still have not explored, but each time we do and we continue to hit, it increases strike length. We're at roughly 750 meters now. Our intention here after the first program that we're doing in RC, we could extend this to 1,000 meters in length, possibly 1,200 meters, depending on how the grade is that we hit on these holes. By doing that, we don't have to be concerned about the permit and on the BLM property. We've got a year to a year and a half of drilling to do prior. That's a very comforting position because I know there's some companies out there that are waiting for permits mm -hmm. and they're basically stagnant. You don't ever want to do that. At the minute you show stagnant or not the ability to move forward, mm -hmm. I don't blame an investor for saying, hey, maybe I should move over here for a while. That's not the case with us. I, I think we've given a time frame, we've given a timetable, and we've executed very well on that. 
And I mean, just, and this is again, I maybe at the some point here we'll get into the geological thesis pretty quick here, but I mean, and, and that's what I mean though, is that you have consistent and predictable results, which makes that concept of exploring to the east there, uh, I mean, potentially transformative, right? That this is not yes. just, this is not kind of a flying by the seat of the pants, making things up as you go, but there, there's relatively rigorous, you know, geophysical signatures, and, and I mean, and the truth teller, the rig. It, that is actually proving that these things actually exist, right? So, yeah, that's that, it's a point well made, right? That you're not stuck waiting for nothing for the right. for the BLM permits. But I mean, I, I'm sure that many uh, investors, such as myself and your company, are excited to see what comes out of those those new land package, that new, those new claims, right? So, I've just put up a slide here for you, Matthew, that I think is going to catch a few people off guard. Yeah, <laughs> and the reason I say that is. We haven't really publicly disclosed it. We don't need to, um, but it was found out because there was some encroachment or people trying to encroach on some property that they didn't realize that we had. The area that's circled here is the current drilling exploration program. Very small in comparison to what is now our land package. Our land package is in excess of 2,400 acres now. This original land package outlined in white is what we used to hold. Now we have this entire area. And the reason I'm bringing this up, you can see this little red blotchy area here is where we're concentrating our drill, where we believe the heart of the system is. If you look to the east, that is roughly a thousand acres out there that looks very much the same. Mm -hmm. I'm not promising anything. That's a forward looking statement. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of work to do, but it shows you from a company standpoint, we have a lot to explore. It's all under our control, 100%. And then we've got an additional package to the north that is beyond where anybody was looking with exactly the same footprint, if I may, or resemblance in geography that we believe there's something of great significance up there as well. This is something that only forward-looking companies do. And this is something that our management team, and again, I'm not including myself in that decision, that's Greg and that's Mark, taking the time to walk these properties and really try to get an understanding, understanding the geology of it. There's a lot of work yet to do, but there's certainly a lot of blue sky potential here from the original claims that we started out with, which was 11 to now to 2,400 acres. It's a, a very progressive company, very progressive. Mm -hmm. And do you mind, just for the sake of this conversation, the, the, the colorations, yellow, orange, or red, what, what does that signify or denote? I, I can go as deep into my geography as I'm allowed to. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I always make an example of my understanding of geology. I can probably throw a rock further than most, but that's the end of my geology. <laughs> this is, um, this, it's, a, it's a hyperspectral imaging that was done. And that imaging is translated on a Google map idea, and this is what you see. So very highly perspective, but again, lots of work. We haven't sampled this area, so I won't speak about what we have seen. I do know that to the east of us, right in this area especially, it is all altered. That is what a geologist likes to see. If it's altered, there's a very good chance it also has mineralization in it. I won't step beyond that boundary just to be mm -hmm. careful with people. I don't want to promise something that I can't deliver on. But I do know here where we are drilling currently, it's certainly well mineralized. And that's uh, John Kaiser, who I, I follow and have a subscription yep. for his website. I think he did some napkin math where he figures that your patent, and maybe I'm mis misquoting him here, but he did napkin math and figured that you know, the, the tonnage available on your patented claims, just for point of reference here for people, is about just shy of a million ounces is the number that he comes up with. Um, and so I guess if you don't mind, I'm going to transition here. Do, do you have a notion of when we might expect to see a 43101 compliant resource or a PEA out of, out of Arizona Silver? Good question, um, and I got a great answer, I hope for you. I think anytime a company puts out a PEA, it basically puts a bit of a stop bar on their evaluations going mm -hmm. forward. I, myself, as an investor, I have no problems with a company continuing to build the asset, increasing the resource, and in continuing to drill and not calling for a 43-101 
because it keeps on expanding. I mean, if you do one, they're about $175,000 to $200,000 to complete, and maybe more in today's world. Well, then there's 200000 that you spent, and then say six months of drilling, you continue to hit. They're going to want you to do another one. So I'm not a firm believer, Greg is not a firm believer in doing a 43-101. And, and if I may, it's, it's a great evaluation to, to look at. Great Bear, which was bought out for 1925 a share, never won 43-101 was complete. Never. Why? Because Chris kept on finding material, and I really like that. I'm not even suggesting that we're a $19 stock, don't get me wrong. But what I'm suggesting, that idea of putting a cap on your company is not wise. Now, if we were not to find any more material and we were running short, the drill holes are coming back with empty blanks, which we haven't. And the last, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 32 holes that we put into this system, every one of them has come back in mineable grades and really increasing the resource. Don't put a cap on that. Because if you tell the investor that you got 2 million ounces, that's what they think you have. Well, what if we got three? What if we got four? If we continue to hit, I will always defer and say, we're building this resource. It's still getting bigger. Why would I put a cap on it? I hope that makes makes sense to people because it certainly makes sense to me when I saw the likes of Chris and Great Bear. They they never had to do a 43-101. I mean, that stock continued to move. They had some phenomenal results, let's be fair. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing saying that we might not hit a sweet spot and that would change the, the, the metrics on this drastically. And so I, I can appreciate the logic because, as you said, right, it forces you to plant a flag and kind of almost like cease halt with your, with your exploration. Plant a flag, this is what we have, and move forward. But I, on the other side, I mean, as an investor, I love having them because even if I know they are kind of funny money or napkin math, they still provide me metrics with which I can start to pre- pre- perform valuations and, and, and what is is this company overvalued undervalued and start kind of having a a one-to-one which is of course the point of a 43101 uh compliant resource ha- being able to actually compare with peers and, and see where we stand right so i guess mm-hmm. do you do you see there being an issue though in terms of that where how do we how do investors get a decent peg on what is fair value or undervalued uh existence for Arizona silver, right? I mean, how, without these, without those hard numbers, how do how do investors have a re- reasonable opportunity to to uh, determine valuation? Well, as you've mentioned, and I'm glad you brought his name up, and that was John Kaiser. He has done, as they call it, on the back of a napkin calculation. The formula is very simple. I mean, it is something that you can find on Google. I mean, I'm willing to provide the formula to you, or anybody else for that matter. You just plug in our data. And that data represents the drill holes, the grades, and, and the lengths, and so forth. And you can come up with a number. Now, is it going to be 43-1 compliant? No. But the number, uh, much to my surprise, when John gave me his number, I was impressed. I said, you've done good math. Based on what Greg and I, and more so Greg, obviously, that number was within, I think you said, 23, 23 sorry, 230 ounces. Hmm. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, since then, he's refined it, and he's come back even tighter numbers to what we actually believe we have. And there's a reason for me not saying this, because that would be forward of me, and I could not. Go, I don't want to risk the company by making a statement that uh, obviously is not allowed to be made. But he was very accurate in his statement. He's also been very accurate about the ability to do a strip ratio on the property based on the information he had I believe about four months ago. So there's more information that he could be compiling right now, but the strip ratio was three to one and he was spot on. I believe that number is actually improving right now with the last holes, but still these people that have that kind of knowledge, reach out to them and say, Hey, have you ever done a calculation or feel free to reach out to me? I return phone calls within two hours and I certainly return emails as quick as possible, not within, you know, a 24-hour period, usually within a 12-hour period, and that I put a premises on, providing I'm not out of, out of, out of, the, out of the country, we'll call mm-hmm. that into the, because if I get down in the field, you're there for two to three hours, or sorry, two to three days, replying to emails after eight o'clock at night when you're coming in from the field gets a little tough and you haven't had dinner, but <laughs> I always return information like that as quick as possible. 
you guys as an investor have a right to this information. I want to make sure it's providable as quick as possible. Perfect. So why don't we just discuss uh, the, the geology of it? And you have some, some assays there, if you don't mind, if you can can push us over to that slide. But uh, and so when I it, when I see as an investor, when I see the when I see the the geological exploration thesis start to change or adjust, it gets my radar up a little bit, and sometimes there's a yellow flag. But I find it interesting with with uh, Arizona Silver is that it actually worked the other way around. Is that you guys were looking for for veins, and you ended up finding like this quite nice kind of background economic stock work of just kind of this background mineralization. Which kind of changes the whole system, right? I mean, veins can be kind of notorious in terms of mining economically, but having this this background stock work kind of is a bit of a game changer, right? So, can you just kind of maybe work us through that or discuss that a bit? Sure. Um, what I've done here, Matt, is I've opened up the homepage to the the website, and I will go down to the Philadelphia property. That's a it's a slide to or sorry, a PowerPoint to itself. And very proud of our results. So we've got them all listed here. I mean, there's more updating to do, but they're right off the bat. And then we've gone into cross sections, so people can actually click on the cross section and get inch by inch, or in this case, probably about every foot, uh, a measurement of the grade going down into the bottom. Um, and we talked about this a little earlier. What I'm really pleased about is hole 91. And there it is, in 827 feet down, and the last 15 feet, there is a noticeable change, and not only in the geology of the rock, but the numbers that are coming back as a result of it. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a quote. We were 2.9 grams silver above the 15 feet. At the bottom of the, of the 15 feet, we were 22.3. It changes by going from 15, 16, 18, 19, 20, 22, and then, of course, unanswered beyond that because the drill was stuck at that point. Same thing with gold. 0 0.36, 0 0.42, 1 gram, 1 and a half, 136, 12, 148, 247, 3 grams. Like, definitely something's going on there. Could it be another high-grade vein? Million-dollar question. Could it be a pocket that we're entering into the sweet spot? I'd love to get the answer to that. Um, we intend to do this with the driller this fall, I mean, and I won't turn a time frame on it because it's a core rig and we don't have one of those yet, but he will cement the bottom of this hole and go down with a smaller diameter pipe mm -hmm. to drill through that plug and continue down to the 950. And the beauty of having our geologist on the rig, if he likes what he sees and he's seen visible gold before, hey, keep going. I mean, you don't stop a rig when it's in, you know, it's in good material, let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah, no, but I like to hear that. As an example, this is something that I, I'm very, very pleased that uh, Tim, our IT guy, has done with us. And even Brenda, mapping this out, giving the opportunity for these sections to be shown to the public, it really resonates with geologists. And that's a field in itself, but I mean, these guys can translate what this means in metrics real quickly. We do have a lot of interest from a really good couple of geologists right now that are analysts as well. And if we're making sense to these guys, it tells me we're doing things right. Mm -hmm. No, I and I agree. I, I, that is something I absolutely appreciate about your websites is that, yeah, very forthcoming with drill data. You're, you're pretty Johnny on the spot when it comes to updating with information. And, I mean, heck, that down dip, you know, Ending in mineralization, ending in the strongest part of the of the of the hole, that's pretty exciting. That absolutely, I want you want it makes you want to see what's down there, right? What's next? Because eight hundred twenty seven, eight hundred twenty seven yeah. feet. I mean, I'm a metric guy, I guess, when it comes to this stuff. So that's that's sub three hundred meters. That's still yeah. open pit. That's still that's open pitable, right? This is not a kilometer underneath the ground, right? As going back to Great Bear, I mean. Sometimes when you get 500 grams per ton, who cares? But, I mean, they are going hundreds of meters down, right? Multiple exactly. hundreds. So, yeah. Exactly. It's a different animal altogether, but you're so right about that. I mean, I, I, I won't be that guy that tells you that this is going to go down to twelve or 1,300 feet because that's just not. But I've got something in, the, in my stomach that's telling me we might be good to 1,000 to 1,100 anyways. And we're going to find out when those two megapads are delivered to us and, and permitted, 
we will be able to go down to 2,000 feet. Now, I'm not promising that we're going to see anything, but we'll have the ability to do mm -hmm. that from mm -hmm. those pads. And that's, again, a sign of a good geologist setting up a good program. That way we can reach into the middle from those pads. We don't have to build roads. We've got two pads that we can reach into the middle of this program. And if the sweet spot's there, we can turn the rig around and drill it to the east. We can drill it to the west. We can drill it south. It's, it's very well thought out. I'm very pleased with the opportunity that's going to be given to us in the future here. Perfect. And this is a perfect time to segue here. Uh, do you want to just talk about, so, you know, the last 2022 drilling, the last eight months of it, nine months of drilling, and then maybe the next six months, what, what do we have to, you know, what do investors, what do people watching Arizona Silver, what, what have they seen, if you can just bring us up to speed a little bit, and then what do we have to look forward to over the next six months in terms of drilling season? And this means, just to be specific, I mean, in terms of a campaign, holes, meters, you've talked about locations, so how many holes and meters do you expect or feet? And then you also just mentioned, which I, was a question of mine, you're switching from reverse circulation to a diamond core as well, which I, I know is more expensive, but it's always nice to see, right? So, Yes. Um, the beauty, of course, everybody knows or should know, when you're drilling core, yeah, it's more expensive, but man, it's like opening a book and reading every single line telling you something. Every single foot of that geology that the driller gets back, or sorry, the geologist gets back, it's like the Bible. It's telling you what's going on. When you're drilling RC, of course, these are small fragments. These are chips. Mm -hmm. It's geology, but it's very difficult to say, look what I see. And that's why you see at the shows, so many guys are bringing out trays of core. Look at this. You can see the visible gold. Now, you may not be able to do that in RC, but you get three holes for every one of mm -hmm. core. And right now, the next program is going to be 16 holes RC. The reason for that is we want to infill these little gaps that we have to show continuation of strike length. That is resonating with the big guys right now. They're seeing big scale, big potential, big bulk tonnage. And if we continue to step out, that draws more attention. We do know the value of the core, which is why we want to reach into the core in the middle of this program area, because we're going to need to get down to that 1,100 foot level. For an RC rig, you're basically capped out at about 950, 900 to 1,000 max. And that is, unless you start having a, a compressor put onto it and various other elements, core gives us the best knowledge of what's going on under this large rhyolite dome and we we already know we'll spend the money there because it's worth spending the money but these areas that i'm speaking about to the north of the reseca or uh, the north of the shark fin we can drill that quick simple easy with rc get the information that we want for it and we can always go back and drill core if we need to but right mm -hmm. now it's about stretching that dollar giving our shareholders the maximum return on their money right now and that would be the best way to we believe and we've seen it before you get a faster turnaround from the lab that means quicker knowledge of what's going on your investor gets more informed quickly we don't spend as much money which is great in this environment right now that we're currently in but it continues to move the project forward so people see that their their company is advancing and not stagnant and this is something that we've never done we've always been progressive and so just to to kind of synthesize what you just said 16 holes if we say roughly a thousand feet per hole so 16,000 feet so 5,000 meters is that kind of a fair estimation of what we can expect over the next campaign I would maybe bring it back to 4,000 okay. the reason I say that is some of these are going to be short holes because mm -hmm. the, the the lengths uh, of area that we're going into may only be 600 feet so we might mm -hmm. only have to drill 500 feet of that Whereas the next area, because of the dip angle, we're going to drill 800 feet because we want to see 800 feet. Greg and Mark have done an amazing job of understanding this vein and, and the stock work that goes with it. And by doing so, you can program your, your, your drill program much easier. So what's the point of drilling 800 feet when you know 200 feet of it is going to be dead? So mm -hmm. minimize your drill and footage and keeps more treasury money available to do the next hole as well but i would use that figure of 16 holes um let's say 400 feet on average because some of them sorry 500 feet on average 
reason being is some are going to be longer, some are going to be shorter, but as on average, let's use that figure of about five, 600 feet. Sure. It's going to be very quick. Uh, we'll have results back, uh, providing everything goes well. Everything goes well. We'll have these results prior to Christmas. So I've said this before, and it's been fun. It's, you know, we, we might get an early Christmas present. <laughs> uh, so then when, when can we anticipate maybe the next, next drill campaign starting up? We're hoping to get this done in October. Uh, we're waiting for our drill rig foreman to tell us that it is available. It's currently on another program, which we have to respect. Uh, when they finish up, they come right to us. Their expectation is sometime October, and I would hope early October, which is huh, three days away. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Time is really flying. Never, ever stops. Um, so just circling back here, always curious. I mean, I know that Arizona, because it is such a strong, it, it, cheap to drill in, right? You're not 20,000 feet up a mountain in Chile here. Uh, but yes. what is what is the cost per foot, cost per meter to drill RC? You can, uh, what we're using right now as a formula number is around $50 per foot, all in cost. That takes care of transportation of the material, that takes care of the drill, that takes care of evaluation from ALS or whatever lab people are using. So that's a number that you can use pretty safely now, um, subject to anything that we don't know. But that's a that's a budget number that we've been successful with so far. Canadian? Uh, no, US, that is United US. States numbers. Yeah. Okay. All our all our programs are done in U.S. dollars, based on U.S. is where we reside. Of course, yeah. The company itself resides in Canada, as you know. Yeah. No, perfect. No, thank you. Okay. I'll also include. Um, I'll send this to you, Matt, so you can advise your your listeners. You know the target size drill to date, all the meters and the and the tonnage and everything, the formula that's needed to use to come up with a number of the resource. Uh, I'll send that on to you, so you have that, and you can share that with your investors yourself. Yeah, please do. Thank you. No, yeah. and that's you're you're absolutely correct. I mean. You don't have to have, I mean, obviously it helps, but uh, you don't have to have a degree in geology. If you're an interested layman, you read a few, read a few books just to get the, the basics of it. And then, yeah, as you said, there are websites that do all that work for you, right? So it's, it's yeah, I mean, I don't pretend to be a geologist, but I can play one on TV enough to, to go to a website and make it happen, right? So It wouldn't um, surprise me. Uh, both my boys are, are very quick with the computer systems and even faster with today's cell phones that you could probably ask Google to do the measurements for you and it would come back with a number. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Google, eh? Seriously. Yeah, Dr. Google, that's right. So, yeah, catalysts, we kind of were touching on this. We'll just circle back here. Catalysts over the six, next six months to two years, what, what could we expect? Okay, six months. Uh, RC program, drill program in core and RC, advancing to the drill pads uh, for 2023 to infill drilling on what we believe is the heart of the system. That will be starting uh, the, the minute we get those, I've got to be careful, sorry. The minute we know we have the drill pads uh, with being able to be built, then we will perform that act of drilling those in core that's scheduled for 2023. I can promise you if the first two or three holes go as well as we expect, don't expect us to leave. We're going to continue drilling that entire 300 meters, and that will take a fair amount of time. I won't put a quote on it because each hole will be brought back to the lab individually, keeping, keeping the, uh, the news flow coming for our investors, but more importantly, why leave something that's continuously getting bigger? I mean, there's mm -hmm. no reason for us to try somewhere else if we're continually getting success, and I hope that'll be the case. Just to give the investors some satisfaction on that, we took 95 samples across that 300-meter gap. And the reason Greg does that is very simple. If, if you get a dead spot, well, maybe it's not what he was thinking. So we took 95 samples. Every single sample came back between 1 and 10 grams gold. Mm -hmm. That kind of gives us the reassurance it didn't fall from the sky. It had to come from somewhere below. And as a result of that, these 95 samples gives us the reassurance that the vein continues. It's not surprising that Mother Nature put the 10-gram material right in the middle. So that is going to be the farthest reach. But, I mean, that will give us the, the happiest day. If we continue to hit as we move along, the grades could get better as we get into the middle and we certainly hope that's the case. 
Yeah, well said. Thank you. And we are honestly approaching the end of this. Uh, I just have one more question for you. And it, it's something that I, again, ask everybody because it's part of what I, you know, when, I, when, I, when I'm talking to CEOs for the first time, this is a question I ask, and it's kind of a bit of a truth-telling question for me as well. Uh, you know, sure. if, if, if the answer is nothing, then I usually have a bone to pick with that answer. But the, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the question is, what's the biggest risk facing you? You know, if, if the goal of any exploration company is to create meaningful, profitable returns for, for investors, what's the biggest, biggest obstacle facing Arizona, Arizona that would prevent, you know, yourself, myself, and others who are invested from, from achieving kind of profitable success? And how, and I'll, I'll stop there, yeah. That's a loaded question. I mean, <laughs> I, I respect it. What you're asking is, is really quite simple. Where's the downside here? And mm. I, 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 mean, I will not be any more truthful. The only downside is, you know, if something doesn't work out, and that's the same as any company. But we have taken steps to eliminate that downside. We have not only taken steps, but I think we've taken exceptional comfort knowing that this model that Greg has been working with has got viability to it in every way. When Stuart Simmons says you're just simply too short, you're too, you know you're not deep enough. You've got other geologists within the team that are seeing this model improve at depth. Every time we've drilled deep, it's become better grades. I'm I'm comfortable. I wouldn't have six hundred thousand myself invested in this company if I didn't think we had a winner. There's always the chance, we must be careful, there's always a chance that Mother Nature throws a curveball. But even if she does, we're gonna find material, this means it just gets bigger. It just, it really is, I think, that simple. I am likely, and I've done it here over the last months, just keep picking away at the stock and just keep buying it and putting it away. It's like a little safety box that I put away. And it's small amounts sometimes, you know, five or 10,000 shares, but it doesn't matter. I just simply put them away because I think the story is only going to get better in the future. And we've got the team with has shown success in the past. I, I really think we're onto something big here. And I will give you credit. You're absolutely right. If you go on SETI and, and check the files, you are you, you keep plinking and plunking away. Um, and I have not seen a single share sold of yours. So I'll, I, yeah, credit where it's due, absolutely. Thank you. Well, the, the one thing, I'm, and, I, and it's tough because this is a really difficult time. I know for some people out there that, that may be shareholders or shareholders of other companies, you know, if you get pinched in every direction, you got to turn where capital is available to you. And some mm -hmm. of these people, and I felt unfortunate that some of them do sell, but I also understand this is, this is a game, and not a game, excuse me, this is a fact of life. If you're getting pressure from one side and you need to cover a mortgage or you need to cover some sort of a payment, you, you look for these opportunities. The one thing that I can say with assurance is, Management doesn't need this money that we've bought the stock with. Our lifestyles have already set. We're all in their late, uh, later part of our lives, I'll say. And therefore, this isn't money that I'm going to need to draw on. And likewise for Greg. That's why we want the home run. We want to see it bought out by a mid-tier major or even a, a, a potential developer at some point where we see the value of saving these shares for the buyout. Well, maybe I will ask you this just as a, and maybe this will be the final one now is that you know we are in the lean time in, in this in this sector right and and obviously rationally logically objectively this is a good time to buy emotionally it's sometimes it's hard to conquer that but on a more practical level in terms of actually running a company does that impact how you behave as a company that we're you know i mean it looks like we are i mean i, I hope again knock on wood here that maybe we're at the bottom here but it might be a long road a hoe here before we're kind of back in the raging bull market. How does that, does that inform or influence or change how you approach leading this company? You know, you certainly, you're aware of the, what you're doing. Um, you're aware of your outside elements that are in this case working against you. I mean, look at our stock price. This is the lowest it's been in, in well over a year and a half. And, and it hurts personally. It hurts because I know that we're not doing anything wrong, but neither are any of the other companies out there. I know some majors out there that it were, $18 stocks, they're down to six. You know, I mean, it just doesn't make sense, but it's a fact of life. It's, it is what it is. So as many times as I hear it, this is good buying opportunities. It's hard 
if you're not making ends meet month to month. I mean, I can only appreciate some people out there that have that difficulty, and I and my my heart's out for them because I don't I don't like to see anybody suffer in that way. But if you're patient, which is what this team is all about, I showed you patience. Greg waited 44 years to get this property. I mean, I don't know any other geologist that wouldn't have given up and moved on to something else, but he kept it on his back burner, kept on staying in touch with the landowner. We're basically doing the same thing here. We're patiently moving forward, making smart decisions. We're not doing that Hail Mary mile and a half step out and say, look, we found it here again. Mm. If I was an investor, I would say, yeah, but what about the middle? How do I know it's there, right? So don't make mistakes like that, and, and Greg doesn't. We're stepping out in intervals 50 to 150 to 200 feet, showing the continuity that this is progressing to what we now know is 750 meters long. You do it right. You don't want to make mistakes, and you don't want to give your investor the, any chance that they think something's wrong. If, if we're upfront, which we are, and we continue to hit like we do, this is going to be very, very nice for all that are shareholders of this company. No, perfect. Well said. And I guess maybe I'll just say I'll give you the final word, Mike, parting thoughts for us. Uh, I welcome new investors. Um, like I say, I, you'll be well taken care of. I can promise you that. And you've got a CEO that will return your call, whether good or bad. I mean, we've always put out every single hole. We've never not put out a hole. I think that's credibility because there is going to be some surprises, no question about it. But at this point, we are on a 100% hit ratio with our Philadelphia property. That is drawing a lot of attention right now, and I'm very thankful to be in this position right now. Very thankful. Perfect. Thank you, Mike. Um, that's it. Thank you for all those that are listening out there. For more information, you can go to ArizonaSilverExploration.com, just as you think it would be spelled, just like it sounds. And as for myself, you can find me under the name Junior Resource Investing on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, your another your, your favorite podcast hosting service. Uh, Mike, I appreciate it. Thank you for a strong conversation, and thank you for your time, and I look forward to next time. Matt, I thank you very much for your opportunity to be with me. Thank you. Thanks very much.